This project was made possible with support from California Humanities, a nonprofit partner of the National Endowment for the Humanities. Visit calhume.org. From KVPR in Fresno. On this week's The Other California, a small town mayor has big green ideas about justice for farm workers. I'm a descendant of uh, Michoacanos. My father arrived as an orphan in 1951 at 14 years old, undocumented, farm worker, and hungry. And we meet an 85-year-old former teacher who's been pushing for a local high school for 18 years. I don't know when the good Lord is going to take me, but I'm here trying to stay alive and do as much as I can. It's all about trying to change one little corner of the world as we head to the small rural town of Huron in Fresno County. I'm Alice Daniel, and this is... El otro California. I live California, California, California. 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 I live I live the in other California. California. Ray Leon has this story he tells people when they ask him what it was like to grow up in the farm worker town of Huron, smack dab in the center of tens of thousands of acres of lettuce, tomatoes, onions, and garlic, and then leave it at 18 to attend UC Berkeley in 1992. He starts with the litany of shocks. Academic shock, cultural shock, social shock, urban shock. Ray's the youngest of seven kids and was the first in his family to go to college. He says he got settled into his dorm on campus and then joined a group of new students getting to know each other. Started walking and started talking to an Asian-American brother. And then, then he asked me, hey, are you Russian? I said, no, I'm Mexican. He said, no, are you Russian? Said, no, my parents are from Mexico, I'm Mexican. No, are you rushing a fraternity? What the hell is that? Then he remembered the movie Animal House, the one he'd watched over and over with his older brothers, and thought, nah, that's not for me. Ray is now the mayor of Huron, about 50 miles southwest of Fresno, the heart of the valley, its sign reads. I'm riding next to him in a white electric vehicle that is part of a green energy program he's created here through his nonprofit, the LEAP Institute, Latino Leadership for Equity, Advocacy, and Policy. We'll get to that. Right now, he's pointing out his childhood home and a few other landmarks. It's a church I was baptized in. St. Francis Cabrini. Huron is really small. No stoplights, a main street on State Route 269 you could pass through in a matter of minutes. Western-style buildings with covered sidewalks blend in with the dusty browns of the surrounding landscape, including the coastal range in the distance. It's a town of laborers and field workers. The population on paper is around 7,600, but Ray says the number is higher. There's not much else to do here but work. Fresno County has the highest ag revenue in the country, but you wouldn't know that here. Uh, those working in the industry are still the poorest. You know, Huron's one of the poorest cities in the state of California. The challenges are immense. 
drugs, unemployment, gangs. At one point decades ago, the town was labeled Knife Fight City because when fights broke out in the bars, the knives used to cut lettuce would begin to flash. Ray has been a community organizer since he started a health fair in Huron back when he was still at UC Berkeley. He's been mayor since 2017 and has already made many changes. The city council approved an ordinance in 2018 that all new developments come gray water ready. That means shower and sink water can be used to grow trees and thus sequester carbon and beautify the city. And especially during the times when we're in the drought and it's it, it even becomes illegal to water your trees. And more recently, he's worked to improve the town's infrastructure, including securing state and county funding to build the $31 million Heart of the Valley Bridge to replace a part of Route 269 that turns into a river every time there's a hard rain. In 1995, six Huron residents took a different route home on Interstate 5 because 269 was flooded. A bridge collapsed and their cars plunged into a river raging creek. But uh, if we would have had a bridge here on 269, those residents would have never taken that alternate route and they would have never died. But it's amazing that it took so long to get this done. The city has also secured state funding to build a three-acre park where people can gather after work and school. So let me uh, show you where we're going to build the plaza. A traditional plaza like you'd see in Latin America that includes an amphitheater for movies and ballet folklorico, a splash park for kids, and bike lanes that connect it to a nature preserve Ray is trying to develop. As he drives around town, the few people we see outside call out to him. ¿Cómo estás? Right on, bro, cruising it. The town, he says, is 98.7% Latino. We got about over nine Native American languages spoken here from Mesoamerica. Probably about four different languages of the Mayan diaspora, about four different languages from uh, Oaxaca, indigenous languages. Mexicans own the taco shops. Yemenis own the grocery and convenience stores, he says. And the pizza place is run by a woman who is Punjabi but speaks Spanish perfectly. The town? It's 100% brown. So there's no white people, I ask? There's one right now. He says as he looks at me. I know, I'm, I'm so clever. <laughs> okay. Nothing gets past you. <laughs> yeah, it took me a minute. Ray is a very amiable mayor, chummy even, but I also sense he calls it like it is, like when I ask him why he came back here to work to improve his town. Farm workers are the hardest working people on the planet, and they deserve more than what they've been provided. Ray grew up in a farm worker family. His Huron story begins with his father. I'm a descendant of uh, Michoacanos. My father arrived as an orphan in uh, 1951 at 14 years old, undocumented, farm worker, and hungry. And uh, he worked hard. In 1957, he became a Bracero farm worker. The Bracero program allowed Mexican laborers jobs in the U.S. as a means to fill the labor shortage during World War II. Went back to Michoacan, married my mom, brought her over to the border, 
They settled in Huron where Ray's father moved irrigation lines by day and managed a bar at night. My father came here with a dream and worked his butt off, you know, and, and that's not a, a rare case. He bought a house in 1968 and his own bar in 1975. Those days were pretty good, Ray says. Lettuce season would bring in thousands of people twice a year. And so there's a lot of money circulating in the community. Not so much anymore. Ag is still king, but drought and salinity in the soil have put hundreds of thousands of acres of farmland to rest. In some places, solar farms now harvest the sun. And there's lots of almond orchards, many owned by big corporations and not as labor intensive. With uh, the climate crisis breathing down our neck, what do we do? And that's where Ray's nonprofit we mentioned at the beginning comes in. Its flagship initiative is an innovative ride-sharing program using electric cars like the one we're in. Reporter Carrie Klein explains. David Mercado and I are sitting in a car in a parking lot. We're like 20 minutes early. <laughs> David is one of the drivers for the Green Riteros, a ride-sharing program that shuttles low-income Huron residents to medical appointments in electric cars. We're waiting at a dialysis clinic where he's picking up two patients. Oh, here he comes. ¿Cómo estás, Enrique? <laughs> Enrique Contreras has lived in Huron for more than 40 years, ever since he landed here from Michoacan as a teenager. All my life I was a lettuce worker, he says. I'm a good worker. In fact, the 60-year-old says he'd still be in the fields today if it weren't for his kidneys. My kidneys don't want to work anymore, he jokes. They're taking a break. Enrique needs dialysis three times a week. But the clinic is far from Huron, 20 miles away in Colinga. He doesn't have a license or a car, neither does his wife. And their four grown kids can't help. They also work the fields six days a week. You know how work is, he says. You don't show up, they fire you. Gregorio Hernandez doesn't have many options either. David's picking him up today, too. I'm going to have to go outside and help him with his bag. Gregorio was actually one of the first drivers with the green Riteros, but a stroke last year left him unable to drive and unable to speak much beyond yes and no. David asks him how old he is. ¿Cuántos años tienes ahorita? Sesenta. Uh, Gregorio's wife can't drive either, so his last resort for dialysis is his daughter, who on a few occasions has driven up from Bakersfield, 90 minutes each way. This driving conundrum is why Enrique and Gregorio are getting a ride today with David. The Green Riteros is one of the first programs of its kind in the country. It's received national attention. And the best part? It's a free ride-sharing program. Totally um, yeah, it's totally free. We don't charge them because we understand, you know, their position and, and how they are. And, and um, so, you know, we love to do this for them. The program has been paid for by a patchwork of grants and donations, and half of the cars are on loan. Enrique says it's literally been a lifeline. It's incredibly important, he says. There's nothing else like it.
Riteros is a Spanglish term for people sharing rides, and the green refers to the environmentally friendly cars. Our lift today, a shiny black Chevy Bolt, one of eight cars in the fleet, including Volkswagens and a BMW. It's so quiet. No, like, ignition sound. No, these are nice. The program is mostly used by seniors, farm workers, or both. It's an alternative to medical transportation vans, which load up with passengers and could stretch a 30-minute drive to two or three hours. Plus, they're not always free. Meanwhile, not all locals have smartphones to make use of Uber or Lyft. And while we're in the clinic parking lot, a bright green taxi pulls up from the city of Reedley, 60 miles away. That's far. You had to come from all the way over there. Wow. (laughs) That's going to be pricey. The rates are printed on the door. $2.50 per mile and another 45 cents for every minute of wait time. David's new to the Green Riteros, but driving has been a thread throughout his life. He grew up in Huron, but he left in his 20s, first exploring the country as a trucker, then operating vehicles in the Texas oil fields. After two decades away, enough time to raise four kids, he moved back to Huron in 2020. Yeah, it felt great, and I felt like I was home, and it's time for me to start helping out the community where I grew up. So the 47-year-old started looking for a job, and one of the first calls he made was to an old high school buddy. You've heard of him, Mayor Ray Leon. So I came back home and um, met up with Ray and ended up starting working here, and I love it. David's now the transportation coordinator of the Green Riteros, but when he's behind the wheel, it's obvious he's a pro. Always at the speed limit, hands at 10 and 2. He even seems fond of the drive from Huron to Kalinga, which he makes multiple times a week. The route is a slice of valley life. We pass two big employers in the area, a state prison and a psychiatric hospital. But the biggest, of course, is ag, the pistachio orchards, and the rows and rows of lemons, mandarins, and oranges. You see the cycle. You see them getting picked, you see them grow. That's what I love about the San Joaquin Valley. It's just, there's a lot of growth here and, you know, it's farmland. (laughs) The route even passes a ranch where David's dad used to work, driving a motor grader. I worked here as well when I was in high school. So it just brings back a lot of memories. David used to be a farm worker too, just like his parents. His specialty was laying irrigation lines. David feels this program has helped him reconnect with his home. And it's also opened his eyes to the needs of the town. I, I take it real serious. I mean, I take it to heart because, you know, they've worked hard all their lives out here in the farms. And, and you know, they did their time. They did their time, and now it's time for, you know, us to take care of them now. After 20 years away, he's returned to the home he grew up in to look after his aging parents. For The Other California, I'm Carrie Klein in Huron. I'm still in the electric car with Ray, the mayor of Huron, when he parks to take a Zoom call on behalf of his nonprofit. We're not on a road anymore. We're in the middle of a big chunk of land east of the heart of the Valley Bridge. It's different from the surrounding farms. There are plants and large trees here, some native, some invasive. And it's never been used for ag because it floods. A dry seasonal creek breaks up the flat topography. And there's some wildlife. Ray's seen swans and hawks and burrowing owls. Hello. Hey, good morning. How are you? Buenos dias. Here, let me try to figure this out right here. 
Zoom connects Ray to Carlos Flores, an outdoor recreational planner with the National Park Services. Several landscape architects are also on the call. Ray says he wants to turn this land, about 3,000 acres, into a nature preserve. He envisions a conservation corps of young people and a forestry program at West Hills Community College that works with the nature preserve to plant more trees. Kids could then transfer to Humboldt or UC Merced and get undergraduate degrees in forestry or science. And they could get actual experience and then, uh, and then they could get a career as a forester up in Yosemite, Sequoia, Kings Canyon, whatever. Earlier, he told me, a lot of the foresters right now are baby boomers. They're retiring, and I'd like to, uh, you know, put some brown up in that green. One of the landscape architects on the call says she read about Ray in the UC Berkeley alumni magazine. And a lot of the things that Leon is envisioning for his town involves landscape architecture, so I just gave him one of those good old cold calls. She and the others say they want to give their students interesting projects, or provide technical and design support for disadvantaged communities. Building a preserve here has its obstacles. Right now, the Bureau of Reclamation owns the land, and the soil may be contaminated with asbestos. So the next steps, treat the soil if possible and get the Bureau on board. I think we need to do a site visit one day. The people on the call say they want to see this land up close and a group visit is planned. It's just the seed of a complicated project, but there is interest. And in part, that interest stems from that article about Ray in the Berkeley Alumni Magazine. Those connections, it's what education can do for you, he says. But in Huron, education gets complicated early on. High school students must put in an extra effort just to get to class. They've spent hours of their lives taking a bus all the way to the nearest high school in another town. It's an issue that locals here have contended with for years. KVPR reporter Sarith Hawk begins this story with the woman who started the movement to build a high school in Huron 18 years ago. For 31 years, Dolores Silva taught elementary school in Huron and Avenal. The second graders were her favorite, she says. And even though so many years have passed, and I, uh, sometimes a, a, a parent will come and say, oh, my son or my daughter just love being in your class. And I say, well, thank you for telling me. <laughs> the 85-year-old is in her home in Huron, where she lives with her youngest son, Ben. She's lived here most of her life. We just love our little town. <laughs> Sitting on a bright yellow couch in her living room, Dolores' face lights up with laughter. We have a lot of good people, a lot of good people. And they're all hardworking people, you know. Dolores is one of them. In 2004, two years after retiring from teaching, Dolores returned to education at the age of 67, this time as a member of the Kalinga Huron Unified School Board. The biggest request from residents in her district? Build a new high school in Huron. The city has one elementary school and one middle school. There's a continuation school in Huron, but the main high school is 20 miles away in Kalinga. Almost 100% of the students take a bus. And it was that way when Dolores was a teacher. It was so hard for them, you know, getting up real early in the morning to catch the bus to go to Kalinga. Hard getting up and hard staying awake at night. 
when they got home, they, they still had to do their homework. And they were exhausted. Dolores was also bused to Kalinga until she graduated high school in 1956. So in 2004, as a board member, she led the effort to build a new high school by galvanizing the community. In 2012, a petition was started to split the school district into two separate districts. Five years later, the State Department of Education shot down the plan. The district superintendent says Huron failed eligibility tests for funding and diversity. Most recently, the effort has been dedicated to building a new high school, but not a separate district. And Dolores says she's still motivated to help in any way she can. So I'm, I'm old. Yeah. But I feel good. <laughs> and I don't give up. <laughs> I don't know when the good Lord is going to take me, but I'm here trying to stay alive and do as much as I can. Her son, Ben, is now driving the push, organizing community meetings and speaking with district officials. He says building a high school in the city is about more than just quality of education. It's about community pride. Uh, that's why the, the school needs to be called here on high school. All right, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Just last month, families in Huron packed a Kalinga Huron Unified School Board meeting. It was standing room only as parents and community members lined up to speak. Many said their children must get up before sunrise to catch the bus. When I wake up to go to work, five in the morning, there's kids out here. Kids out here cold. I want to make it clear that the parents have said they want a high school. For Spanish speakers, there was a translator. One high school student who attended the meeting spoke of feeling tired and not getting enough sleep. That's why she's not playing soccer. Well, I like sports, but at the same time, it's like getting home late and not having time to do work. According to the Kalinga Huron Unified School District, out of about 1,200 students at Kalinga High School, just over 400 are bused from Huron. The district says commute times are as long as an hour. One person attending the board meeting, Rosa Moreno. She volunteers for Huron's social service programs. That includes helping students apply for grants and find a way to get to college. They're so smart. All they need is a little help, mm -hmm. a little guidance. The 53-year-old knows. One of seven kids, Rosa says she, like most of her siblings, left school to support the family. The long bus ride only made attending school worse. I guess at the beginning, like right after I dropped out, I was too busy working in the fields, helping my mother. And then I had kids. So my priority was them. She got her GED and attended a community college after she realized she needed to help her own six children succeed. Once they started growing and asking me about algebra and other things, I'm like, I need to go to college. <laughs> yeah, that's what made me my children. At the board meeting, trustees voted unanimously to move forward with the feasibility study to look into building a high school. At our district office in Kalinga, Superintendent Lori Villanueva says funding remains the issue. It's always been in our sights. The question is having the eligibility, having access to the funding. 
Lori says the district would have to meet certain eligibility requirements, like overcrowding, which hasn't happened yet, to get more state funding to build a high school. For now, kids will continue to endure the long bus ride to school. For The Other California, I'm Sarith Hawk in Huron. Keeping strange hours, it's not just the students who do that. During the days, Huron is a quiet town because most of its residents are out working in the fields. But on Friday evenings, the main street perks up with people hanging out. Some are looking for a place to eat. Others are getting a haircut because it's the only time they can. And fortunately for them, there's one salon that stays open really late. KVPR's Madi Balaños takes us there. Marilena Serna is the owner, and as she holds her clips in her hand, she talks to one of her customers, Santos. He tells her he's only working five days a week now because of the new law requiring farmers to pay overtime after 40-hour work weeks. It's 6 p.m., but Santos is only the second customer of the night. Marilena has a long line of farm workers ahead of her. Like any salon, this is a place for the community to get news and to gossip. Santos and Marilena's conversation flows from farm worker pay to gas prices to the war in Ukraine. Today, Santos worked killing weeds around the garlic fields. He moved to Huron from Honduras five years ago. He's been coming to Marilena for a haircut ever since. He used to not have a car, so he just walked through the area, he says, and he found this place. Aside from liking the haircut, Santos says Marilena's salon is the only one he knows of that is open really late. One time, he says he saw her open at like 11 p.m. Marilena understands farm worker hours because she worked in the fields when she was younger. And sometimes she still helps her husband with field work. Her salon is named El Garcias, after Marilena and her two sisters. <laughs> but it's better known as Chuki Salon, she says, who's open at night. Marilena's customers know her as La Chuki. It was a nickname her mom gave her when they first moved to Huron from Mexicali nearly 50 years ago. And she was wearing Converse tennis shoes, or chukis. There's only one open chair in her salon. It's a small space with pictures of hairstyles on one wall. Next up is Antonio, one of her regulars. He's originally from Guanajuato, Mexico, and came here to work. He's lived in Huron for 30 years. Arilena asks Antonio if he wants a good-looking haircut or a haircut that will last a long time. Like most of her customers, he tells her the second. He tells me he comes here because he likes the way Marilena cuts his hair. And he has more chances to come, he says, because she's open late. Farm workers will come by her salon and say, will you wait for me? And she tells them, of course. For The Other California, I'm Madi Bolaños in Huron.
that's the other California. Next week, we go to the small rural town of Avenal, where a boxing gym inspires kids to push themselves, and the high school exposes students to college-level classes to get them hooked on higher ed. This episode was produced by me, Alice Daniel, mixing and sound design by Rob Spate, with editorial help from Polly Stryker, web support from Alex Burke, technical support from Don Weaver. Joe Moore is our president and general manager. Special thanks to the KVPR news team, Madi Bolaños, Sarith Hawk, Carrie Klein, and Kathleen Schock, and musician Omar Nure. You've been listening to The Other California. California.